Welcome everybody to the Bolt from the Blue podcast. This is Mike Long, aka Bolt from the Blue, to talk about the game between Manchester City and Everton. And luckily for you, I'm not alone. I've got two compadres with me. The first one is Colin Savage. Hi, Colin. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to all our um, listeners. Happy New Year to you, Colin. How's your uh, day and how's your week been? Well, of course, plenty of football and uh, that's always good. Um, nice New Year's Eve out. Uh, not too heavy on the old alcohol because I was driving. Um, but I ended up having a load to eat and um, I can never sleep on a full stomach. So I'm still trying to catch up a bit on my normal sleep pattern. I wonder, is there a certain Mr. Ray Bubbles in the vicinity? Might just be. Might be around. Yeah. <laughs> how are you doing, Ray? And how's your day and how's your week been since the last part? Yeah. Week's been, as uh, like Colin, it's been watching uh, a lot of football in the last uh, seven days. We've probably had uh, three games of football. There's been plenty of stuff on the telly to watch as well, uh, football-wise, and obviously broadcasting every day with um, uh, previews and live vlogs and stuff. I've been fairly busy uh, with all that. My my sleep uh, patterns have been absolutely destroyed, just basically watching after, after you've had your... Fill the football. You, you, I've ended up watching, uh, started watching House again, uh, House MD with uh, Hugh Laurie, and uh, that's that's a big that's a big mistake. I mean, to, I've gone through about twenty four episodes already, so uh, some uh, one all nighter. It's been a bit crazy, but hey, you know, whenever, do you, how often do you get two or three weeks off uh, during the year? So make the most of it. <laughs> well, you've got a good what nine seasons to go. I've done that. I've binged on that one, but um... no, I'm not doing. I'm not doing nine seasons. I might watch <laughs> another season, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's what you say. That's what we all say. But um, anyway, guys, here it was: Manchester City two with a lovely brace from Gabby J and uh, Everton one, and that was uh, scored by Richarlison. So you had Brazilian scoring. Uh, in this game on 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 both sides and uh, so let's take a look at this set uh, lineup not only was there a change uh, uh, in lineup but there was also a change of formation because i think uh, city had been set up slightly differently than their usual 4-3-3 but let's take a look at this lineup so we had a certain mr bravo who i think will probably figure prominently in this particular uh, pod we have uh, Rodri, Fernandinho, Eric Garcia, Cancelo, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Mendy, Mares, uh, Foden and Gabby J. The aforementioned uh, Gabby J. We were going up against Everton. Uh, all of the media were talking about uh, the fact that Ancelotti had got this Everton team off to a fine flying start. Two wins, but... Unfortunately for Carlo, that came to a, a shuddering halt um, against Manchester City. Uh, that first half uh, ended at nil-nil. But uh, how did you see it? You, were you, I'm imagining both you guys 
regular match-going fans were at this one. Let's start off with Ray. Ray, were you there at the game? Absolutely, I was there at the game, yes. How did it look to you in the opening exchanges? Uh, I was a bit disappointed in the first half. Um, although it wasn't a, a terribly poor game, it was it was interesting. But it, it, just for me, it, you know, it did look like two sets of players who were probably a bit physically and mentally tired. Which, which can easily happen when you've got so many days in such a short uh, time period. Um, but I was a bit disappointed with the uh, effort shown. That lethargy was still, still seemed to be there uh, in the first half, but second half was totally different. How did you see it, Colin? What, what can we learn from those copious notes that you take in the, in the first half there? I tend to agree with uh, Ray there. I mean, the first half was a bit, I wouldn't quite say tired, but it was unadventurous, a bit of a lack of intensity, I would say. But I felt it, it was disrupted by the two VAR calls completely. The game w- was okay up to that point, but it went off the boil for a while after those two very controversial VAR calls, or, or maybe they weren't controversial. Well, let's talk about those um, VAR calls. What on earth could Colin be talking about, Ray? Well, it seems sadly, it seems to be in every single game we uh, anybody plays these days, VAR is involved. Um, there's elements of it which I think are good, and there's elements of it which I think are poor. Obviously, from a fan's point of view, not knowing what's going on until we get home and, and actually see uh, some replays isn't great. At the time they take uh, on the uh, VAR reviews, it's too long. And then the time they give us, at half time, uh, you know, the added on time was only two minutes, and we should have got two minutes just from Jordan, uh, from Pickford's um, uh, time wasting. Time wasting. We should have got two yeah. minutes there. It should have been at least four, maybe even five minutes extra uh, uh, on the first half. But that that first one, one of the problems with VAR, it was for an offside in the build up. So I think it was Cancelo and Mares who I think both had pretty decent games, probably Cancelo's best game for City um, in his nine starts. I was it 27 games, which probably uh, contributed to a bit of um, grumblings behind the scenes. Um, but they, I think they, they were switching around. The ball was played out wide, and the, whoever it was was offside. They, it was passed forward, then a cross came in, and there's your young man, Foden, number 47, coming in, and to slot the ball home, nice tapping for him. He did his, we all did, you know, the, the team players did the celebrations, the fans were overjoyed because, you know, when we saw that cross coming in, the, the fellow weren't offside. He was nowhere near offside. Um, but they went back to the first offside, um, which is a, you know, did make me gnash my teeth a bit, um, that, that first one, because the, you know, that was the reason that the goal wasn't given. Uh, the linesman uh, hadn't called for that um, offside. Um, and, we all thought it was a, a perfectly good goal, and then it was chalked off. Um, and the disappointing thing for me with with, the, with these offsides, they are done back to the to the millimeter. Okay, this was probably more than a few millimeters, but they are done to you know to someone's the the, the hairs inside someone's nostrils can uh, cause a player to be offside, and that's extremely frustrating, especially when they're taking so long uh, to make a decision. And I do believe IFAB have said if if you're taking eight. 10, 12 camera angles to find somebody offside by a few millimetres, then you're doing it wrong. You know, it's got to be done, uh, and it should be done very quickly. Uh, it, and most fans want to see a couple of replays. If you can't tell, if it's not conclusive, go and stick with the on-field decision. Move on, because it's 
whatever it is, it's not clear, it's not uh, obvious. And if, if it's so tight, you know, I think most fans, probably most players just want to carry on the game. Did that actually look um, offside to you without the need for VAR, uh, Colin? Because to a lot of people, it, it kind of did. Well, not in real time, it didn't. Because um, um, it was one of those situations where Mahrez is coming kind of forward, uh, well, kind of, uh, sorry, back from the touchline, the defender's moving towards his own touchline. So you've got that instant where Mahrez obviously is offside, and, and it, it's not one of those where you need to draw a line, to be honest, when you see it afterwards. But 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 Mahrez definitely was offside. But in that instant, you, you don't see it. And, and it's a very difficult thing to spot. And, you know, the assistants get it right more often than not. I think we have to give them credit for that. But it was hard to see at the time definitely because we we weren't just we just weren't looking at that so um I, I, at the time couldn't i think i said well there's no reason to disallow that and of course then the offside call came in and of course it was right and it wasn't one where you had to draw a line uh, yeah. where you know where the his buttocks were offside or something so it, it was it was a correct decision but my son in phoenix 5000 miles away had to tell me it was Morris who was offside and I think that echoes the point that Ray made before, that we're the last people to find out what's going on. Well, the thing is that, that, that assistant referee got the decision wrong because after the goal was scored, they didn't flag for Mares being offside, which is what they could have done. Um, and it was v- Lecce VAR to come up with the, um, with the decision. And, and what doubly frustrates me is the fact that I believe uh, offsides are treated differently to handballs. I mean, there's a tweet I put out today about the fact that the pre-assist player, which was Mares, he he made the pre-assist, as they call it now. Uh, he made the pass to Cancelo, who then had the assist, which was chalked off. He was offside, okay? And I refer back to Virgil van Dijk and his uh, the game against Wolves. He handled the ball for me. He handled the ball. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the stills. The ball's nestled against his um, upper arm. So he handled the ball, in the, I think, in the semicircle. Uh, the ball fell down. He took one touch, launched it into the box. Uh, it was flipped on by, I think, Milana, and Mane scored what proved to be the winner. Now, apparently, the referee said, they said that was too far back in the build-up. But hang on, it was one guy passing to another who, who got the assist for Mane. And it's the same with this offside. Mahrez um, passed it to Cancelo. Cancelo crossed it in. Ford and tapped it in. Same number of phases of play. It's the same, you know. So why is one the handball not given? And I'm not saying it's because it's Liverpool, or I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying it just feels in so inconsistent that the offside is pulled up, but the handball. And I'm not sure they're questioning the handball. They just say it was too early in the in in the in the in the in the, in the play. And because it was a handball, it wasn't the uh, guy who got the assist and it wasn't the guy who scored the goal. So it's ignored. But the offside, which no one's spotted on the pitch, they, they go back for it. I just can't, I can't fathom football at the moment. That- well, um, I, I seem to recall, I don't know if I'm making this up or it's a you know, figment of my imagination, but a goal was allowed, it may have been probably even against us at the Etihad, when it was deemed that the, the player who was in the offside position had been in offside position but there'd been a new phase of play. Yeah. It wasn't that long. It might be, I can't remember what game it was. I kind of understand that. that there was an even more ludicrous decision in the Burnley-Aston Villa game. Aston Villa player was, his studs were offside. Yeah. You know, literally, the sole of his foot was offside. He'd received the ball in an offside position, according to the law. He'd then played it back out. So he had his back to goal. He played it out. 
And there was another couple of passes before the goal was scored. Well, Burnley didn't Burnley have a chance to clear the ball? They had. They actually had yeah. a chance to clear yeah. the ball. They fluffed yeah. it. Then the cross came in, and it was a goal. Yeah. That's right. That was a different phase of play. And to me, that yeah, that was a different phase of play. And I'm sure we had a goal allowed against us because it was deemed that the ball was in a different phase of play because it had been passed backwards from the player who was in an offside position. The, the Mares one, he was coming back, wasn't he, yeah. from an offside position. And, and it's, again, it's the whole argument about gaining an advantage. And I remember, the, 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 I mean, the West Ham game showed, you know, the, the, the West Ham game we played, our first game of the season, there was, there was a couple of examples of that where, and I've said this before, uh, for one of the controversial, one of the incidents, VAR incidents, there, there were two where Sterling was, one was he yeah. marginally offside, one he was marginally onside. And the one he was marginally onside, Gabby Jesus, who scored the goal, was in an offside position the whole time until Sterling passed him the ball, in which at that point he was just behind the ball. Now, to me, I say, I've said this before, I make no apologies for saying it, Gabby Jesus was in an offside position. He was gaining an advantage by being in that position. So when he received the ball, he was still, even though he was onside, according to the law, he was still in front of the last defender. Now, also in that game, I think it was that game, again, David Silva was kind of still on the goal line. He came back when he received the ball. He had about three players um, in front of him, three West Ham players in front of him. Yet he was flagged offside because when the ball was played, he was deemed to be, he was in an offside position. But was he gaining an advantage because he was coming back? You know, so so it's you know, yeah, I think you've got to look at the law and think, is he doing what he's supposed to do? And and, and you know, we've had that we've had this discussion before, haven't we? Um is the offside law doing what it's supposed to do and stopping players gaining an unfair advantage by standing in an offside position? So so that Gabby Jesus one, he could have been goal hanging the whole move well, you know, while we were um down in our half and, and and West Ham defenders could have been on the halfway line and he still wouldn't have been called as offside. If he'd been as long as he was behind the ball when it was crossed to him, and to me that's a nonsense. Well, and that Burnley one was a nonsense, and, and, and the Mares one maybe a bit less of a nonsense. But he was coming back from an offside position when he received the ball. He wasn't offside, so I, I think I don't know. The whole thing's a mess. It's a hot mess, guys. It was quite interesting on the twenty-fifth minute. You had Steve McManaman who was on co-commentary for BT Sport, and uh, he made the point that. Um, he was criticising Everton for trying to play the ball out from the back and when they're not good enough to do that and um, said that they should go long. And it was quite funny because just after he said that, then it seemed like Carlo Ancelotti had uh, heard that. So Pickford had start, started going long. His, his kickouts and clearances were going way long. And um, that's the way things were developing. Guys, one thing I noticed uh, in that first half was that... Um, a little bit of vindication for Ray because two players who were quite prominent for City were Cancelo and Mendy, who were foraging forward and and uh, actually they, they were they were impressing me. Ray, what did you think? Absolutely, I, th- I think obviously playing three at the back, which was Rodri, uh, Fernandinho, and uh, the wonderful Eric Garcia, obviously freed those guys up to forage um, and not worry as much about um, you know what they've left behind. And also, it was great that you've got Fernandinho and, and Rodri in the back. Uh, and they can start the attacks, the threading of the pass um, through, which is what they did against Crystal Palace when they played at centre-back together as a centre-back pair. They were starting the attacks a, a little bit earlier. Um, so I, I quite like that. And, and I think both Mendy and Cancelo 
had a pretty good games. I think Cancelo, as I said, was probably his best game in a in a City shirt. Um, and uh, yeah, they, I was I did a play ratings on the our channel on my channel tonight, and uh, they both scored uh, uh, quite highly, seven seven and a half something like that. So I, I think both uh, each of them uh, had uh, pretty decent games. That's right, guys. And uh, you'll if you if uh, you were watching if uh, you were watching the game, um, certainly on television anyway, you could see Carlo Ancelotti getting very frustrated. He was urging his players forward. They couldn't get a lot of success in in doing that. Mendy was um, combining quite well with uh, Phil Foden. Riyad Mahrez was uh, uh, buzzing around and, and and being a nuisance. And I think there were also also a little bit of vindication for what Ray said in in the last pod because I was watching him particularly and was guilty of that sort of trademark uh, selfishness that um, that Ray mentioned. Although he seems to be coming on, there was that second VAR in the first half, Mike. Uh, yeah, which which I'm gonna I'll, I'll I'll take it upon myself to talk about. But it was it was another ridiculous uh, linesman put the flag up uh, for an offside. Uh, it put up. Uh, Immediately, and the referee played on. I think that's the way that it's supposed to be done. Uh, and it actually turned out that the linesman got it wrong because he was onside. Uh, and then I think the Mar- the ball came into Maris's chest. I think he tried to chest it or take it forward, and then he was pulled back. And not a big tug, um, but enough to to be noticed, as you'd expect. He went down looking for the penalty. And so VAR gets involved again, looked at the initial offside. Was it offside? No, it wasn't. So then they look at uh, Mahrez's control. And uh, apparently, I believe they deemed it was Mahrez had handled the ball. But even though they'd looked at Ma- and they, they actually carried on and looked at to see whether it was a, a penalty or not, which is it's totally crazy. So in the end, they turn around and say Mahrez handled the ball. But they took the free kick as if but they went back to the original decision that the on-field, uh, the linesman had made for the offside. So they took it as an offside. Absolutely crazy, absolutely stupid and wrong. So in effect, uh, in effect, Everton, Everton got a free kick for something that wasn't a foul. Yeah. Right. Well, did they, or did they give the handball? That, that's what no, we no, don't know. No, the handball was in the area. Okay. The handball was in the area. The free kick was taken way yes, outside that, yes, the area. Yes. Where yes the it, was. it was ridiculous. And I'll, I'll be quite honest. I said to the, the fellow next to me, I'm, I'm not. You know, I could not be bothered getting out of my seat in that first half, partly because of the game, but partly just because of the VAR. And the crowd was extremely subdued. Uh, these incidents, uh, uh, you know, whatever festive spirit we were in uh, from um, from New Year's Eve celebrations and maybe people having a, you know, a shandy too many, um, the, the fans were quiet, apart from obviously slagging off of VAR. But the game was... The atmosphere was it was it was gone um, with what what was going yeah. on because we've and, obviously and think, been celebrating and then we've been cut down. And, and I think uh, that community that communicated itself to the players on the pitch because I think that the heart went out of that game a little bit for, for the rest of the second half, didn't it? It was a very much first half, yeah. going uh, for the first half, very much going through the motions. It yeah. seemed to me, but but whether that in fact the the chap who sits in front of me, Steve, he went home. After about half an hour, he said, I can't take any more yes. of this. A few people um, near me, the ones that were there, because, uh, you know, up in the South uh, I had all the four seats next to me empty, dozens and dozens of empty seats, um, which you wouldn't expect for a game against Everton on New, New Year's Day. Uh, and But there were people leaving after that second bar decision. They were just sick and tired and fed up. 
There was another uh, little in- incident that I thought is worthy of comment and uh, involved uh, my T-shirt designer, uh, Don Grant, who um, <laughs> designed my v- Vincent Company T-shirt, which he very nicely sent to me all the way over here in South Korea. I'm not wearing it now, though. But um, anyway, he was holding up um, a poster that said, um, RIP football, VAR is here, fans boycott, question mark. And then apparently in, in pretty short order, we had two large fellows in them. Um, luminescent yellow jackets come over to them to him and the um the whole debate on twitter was whether our our don was being um uh criticized for holding up a var sign or whether it was because he was obscuring the view of uh, people behind him don don has come out and said he wasn't obscuring anybody's view because he was holding it at half time so there's not really unless you want to see hugh ferris and um and and danny jackson and, and natalie um, and you can see them on the big screen anyway. So, you know, whose uh, uh, view was he obscuring? It was during halftime. And he says, Don says, apparently, uh, you know, the whoever, it might have been the Premier League or whoever was complaining was because of that VAR sign. And I'm pretty, pretty sure that in games going forward, Don will have started a movement, a movement for other fans to bring in placards and even T-shirts um, with with their thoughts on VAR, their uh, use of um, with muck VAR, um, and I think I think that'll just go. I, I think there will be placards. There will be more banners. Um, and he, I mean, as Don said, his banner was much smaller than the flags uh, that you see around the ground. So. Um, yeah, I, I think fans are sick and tired of it. Are absolutely sick to the back teeth of it. And some people, whether they'll do this or not, have said they're not going to, um, you know, come to top flight football anymore because of VAR. Well, we're going to have to go over to Colin Savage for the next one because I think that Ray's views on this particular subject are somewhat, <laughs> somewhat predictable. We're going to talk about Eric Garcia. Now, I've mm-hmm. never seen so many uh, tweets, both at halftime. And uh, after the game, um, demanding that um, Eric Garcia becomes um, the centre-back uh, partner uh, for Laporte when he returns uh, quite sh- uh, quite shortly. Um, what did you feel about uh, Garcia's performance in, in, in this game? All, all of this hype, uh, Colin, and all of the talk about Garcia, uh, both uh, during and after the game, was it justified, do you think? I know because... The reason I'm asking this is because there does tend to be, um, some would say, a kind of a um, benevolent myopia towards uh, young, upcoming city uh, youngsters who are making their way into the the first team. Um, and uh, is is this uh, justified on on the basis of this performance? Do you feel? I think you have to be. You know, we don't want to fall into the Manchester United trap, do we? Of um, you know, every youngster being the greatest thing. You know, the next Lionel Messi or you know, Bobby Moore or whoever. Um, so, but I know what Ray's view is, and, and I have to say I agree with him because um, I, I say I've seen Garcia play in the um, under twenty one uh, cup final, under nineteen cup final, wherever it was, and it, he was a class above any other player on that pitch. Really, really good, and um, he didn't. He certainly do his, didn't do his chances any harm. And, and, and fortunately for him, I, I suppose unlike Phil Foden. He's he's playing in a he's plays in a position where um, at the moment we don't really have a lot of competition. Uh, where you know, well, Foden's competing in the likes of David Silva, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, um, 
you know, and players like that. Ilkay Gundogan, um, Garcia got got a good case to being a, a made a good case for being a first choice centre back, hasn't he? That sounds very much like a lot of people's um, attitude to uh, certain things like uh, Brexit and all the rest of it. I remember they had this phrase in the media: "cautious but open." That's uh, that 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 seems to be. Um, uh, Colin's um, uh, response, but um, yeah, there's no way that we're going to get away with this without uh, Ray chiming in. Come on, Ray. Well, I, I said at the start of the season, I, the way I expected when we hadn't uh, bought a, a, another centre-back, I said I expected Garcia to get, even with, the, and this was before Merrick Laporte's injury, I said I, I thought we'd get by because we had Merrick Laporte, who would partner Otamendi and John Stones. And, you know, with such a, a reliable, stable uh, partner, John Stones and Otamendi would be a little bit better than uh, if they were paired together. And I said our fourth would be uh, Eric Garcia. I expected Eric to carry on playing the Cup games, Carabao Cup, FA Cup. But like Phil Foden was last season, to start playing more games, to get a few minutes here and there, and to, uh, to uh, start a few league games this season. Um, obviously, the injury to uh, Emery Laporte has given Eric uh, a few chances. The injury to Stones and problems with Stones uh, and ultimately possibly a lot loss of form. But I said over Christmas, Eric would play. I, I, I was pretty certain of it that he'd start a game, not be sub, at least one, possibly two, just because the, of the number of games we've got. Now we're playing a game on the uh, on, on we played on a Friday, we played on a Sunday, we played on a Wednesday. So in the space of less than six days, we played three games. So I expected Eric to play because there's no way Otamendi could have played all, in my opinion anyway, uh, played all three games. Um, and I thought Garcia would, would start. So um, he's showing all the promise. And I actually said he would force Otamendi out during this season. Otamendi would realise he wanted to leave, but company left instead. So Otamendi thought he'll get more game time. And actually, I fear he's going to get less, even less game time uh, this season than last. And Garcia will force Otamendi to, um, you know, uh, hand in a transfer request or whatever, let his agent do the talking behind the scenes. Let's talk and about, will let's, let's talk about um, Garcia's performance in this particular game, Ray. What, what did you think of the way that he did? I think he hardly put a foot wrong. Um, I think I give him, I think I give him either seven and a half or I would give him eight out of ten. It should have been a seven and a half, but I've got a thing for Eric Garcia, not that kind of thing, but I've got a thing for Eric Garcia as a young uh, footballer coming through. Um, I, I don't, I'm trying, he made an odd mistake, but there were small mistakes. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, and some make some uh, big bloopers, um, <laughs> Mr. Bravo. Um, and some make some minor ones. And, there were one or two people criticising him for the uh, uh, for the goal uh, a little bit because he made a, a, a tackle and he pushed the ball wide, which was then crossed in, deflected across to Richardson who tapped it in. I think that's it was extremely harsh on on blaming Garcia, but you know, uh, not only did not only isn't his hair out of place, he did nothing wrong in the game for me either. I think it was a very good performance. Uh, he, he's he's He's, he's cool and calm and he's good enough and confident enough to tell and direct more experienced players. I mean, Fernandinho is almost double Garcia's age. I think he's 16 years older than Eric and Eric's 
you know, assisting uh, Fernandinho and telling him what's going on. And, it, you know, the confidence in the lad, um, he, he's just going to, you know, I'm just excited. I'm just excited for the next 10 years uh, with some of the youngsters that are now coming through, hopefully, with Eric and with Phil and with one or two others as well. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, he did look um, very, very composed. I think that's the word that you often hear. He was very, very com- composed and, and cool as a cucumber, guys. But um, one of the features of uh, the opening uh, five, six minutes of the second half was uh, mentioned by a couple of the media outlets and that they felt that the, the game was being played out to almost near silence uh, by the, the crowd. Um, but that all changed on 51st minute. Lovely goal colon by Gabby J. Now, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Gabriel, about his future role in Manchester City, whether he's always going to be the number two when Aguero steps down. Some people don't have a lot of confidence that uh, he can step up, but um, he, he's, um, he's impressing me lately, and, and he, he curls a lovely one into the top corner here. Perhaps you could describe this one for us. Yeah, um, it was a... I, I thought he'd had a bit of a um, a poor first half in many ways. Um, he timed his runs really poorly. And there were a couple of occasions in that first half where he should have been an outlet uh, and, and was offside. So I think Kevin De Bruyne couldn't pass to him and then Mares couldn't pass to him. So Fully was saying, uh, saying at half time, um, who was slagging off because they usually go on to have a great game in the second half. And we all said, Gabriel Jesus, he's had an awful first half. Therefore, he's going to go on and score a hat-trick in the second. So uh, we were quite prescient there, I think. And um, it was a wonderful ball from Ilkay Gundogan. And, he t- and this time, whether someone had had a word with him uh, at half-time, he timed his run to perfection. He was just about on side. Uh, and he took the ball down brilliantly. Uh, he took a step inside. I, I have a feeling it was... Um, Calvert Lewin, who was trying to mark, I don't know why that would why that would be, uh, having watched it on um, kind of on rewind. But anyway, he took a step inside and curled a ball um, past um, Pickford's despairing lunge into the top corner. And funnily enough, uh, Pickford obviously got fingers to it, but couldn't stop it. And after the goal, I was looking. Obviously, I was at, I was at the game, but looking on the BBC uh, website where they were doing the live commentary live text of the game and um whoever was the analyst was saying well, i think jordan pickford should have done better there well he was never stopping that i mean a ridiculous thing to say he did well just to get his fingers to it and um you know there, there was no way he was getting that at all so it was an absolutely brilliant goal and it really and we were laughing because we said there you are you know we, we said gabriel jesus would have a storm in the second half because he'd had a stinker in the first half and he he started off in that vein. And then what happened it was something that caused uh, no little mirth for City fans, uh, either who were at the game and tweeting, or people uh, like me who are watching it on the box and also tweeting, that there seemed to be this period of uh, VAR uh, officials who were just pouring over um, that to, to, to see if there was any reason to rule it out, and they couldn't find one. And then we've now got this phenomenon that... Um, City fans uh, only really uh, cheer um, after play restarts. And now you've got the situation, uh, Ray, you probably have noticed this, when uh, the, the the crowd just, uh, n- now they're just so uh, hacked off at the whole thing. They don't uh, really uh, break out in la- la- large uh, 
celebrations until the restart when when the goal definitely cannot be ruled out now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it is, it is really sad uh, what football has come to, you know. Um, and I, I, just, I just can't see it getting any better. And yes, it's, was it dark humour or call it what you, whatever you will, but, you know, it is difficult. To, and I'm, I'm slowly turning, um, and it's, it's taken me several months of the season, but I'm not uh, celebrating. If, if anything looks like it's, it could be called, called back, I'm just not uh, celebrating. I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed uh, that I can't, you know, go crazy. I did go crazy when Gabby, I'll be honest, I went crazy when Gabby Jesus scored, but not as crazy as I would normally be. Um, it's, it's just, it is really, really frustrating. I, I don't know what, um, I don't know what we, what's going to happen and, you know, how long this is going to go on for, but it's getting really, really boring. My, my solution to it is um, when they, when we score a goal and it goes back for VAR, if it's allowed, we should recreate it. Then we can cheer <laughs> properly. Well, Colin, um, we, it's, it's only six minutes later, and there's that man again. Who is this new Brazilian predator? Six minutes later, Gabby Jesus with the second. Tell us about that one. Well, that was a lovely move, wasn't it? That was a, such a, uh, a typical City move. I mean, it started with Kevin De Bruyne. He played a wonderful pass to um, Phil Foden, who was beautifully positioned. He laid it off to Riyad Mahrez, and Mahrez played a brilliantly, brilliantly weighted ball uh, into Gabby Jesus, who was kind of on the on the left hand, slightly on the left hand side of the uh, penalty area, about eight nine yards out, probably about level with the edge of the six yard box, and he, he just put it firmly inside the near post. Uh, you know, um, it looked like Jordan Pickford was in two minds which way he was going to go. So wh- whether whether Gabby psyched him out or not, but it was a a good firm shot inside the near post. Uh, and again, Pickford wasn't getting to that one either. So, um, yeah, it w- but I, I mean, I say I've got to praise the ball from um, Riyad Mahrez because the waiting, well, I think a few of our players had been on the ale the night before, to be honest, because some of them looked, um, particularly Kevin De Bruyne, look, um, looked off the pace a little bit and some of his passes weren't wonderful. Uh, and there were some passes thumped at players, but the pass from Mahrez, if you watch it again, the weight of it was absolutely perfect. And Gabby Jay just didn't have to control it. He could just take it first time, um, which obviously helps because then he can put it, place it where he wants. And, and it was a brilliant goal. So, so again, Gabby Jesus has proved us right to slag him off for half time. That sort of ushered in a, a, a nice period of uh, city dominance, actually. Riyad Mahrez, I remember, um, heading just, uh, just over. Uh, and uh, things were looking great, but then they they pulled one back, and another Brazilian this time, Richarlison Ray, um, on the seventieth, seventieth, seventy first minute, I think it was. So yeah. pretty much about uh, ten, twelve minutes later, what happened there? Are you can you gonna call anyone out for this one? Oh, no. why would I call any city? I'm not like that, mate. You know me. Um, it was just a, a bit of a misfortune, I think. Ball was uh, uh, passed back to um, Bravo. And Everton went 2 0 down. We're pressing a little bit more uh, than they were in the first half. And so someone came to close um, Bravo down. And, uh, we were all obviously cheering in the, uh, in the side stand and probably all the way around the ground because it was, it was a nice, deft piece of skill. Then he was looking for someone to pass to. And it was a little bit crowded in front of him. Um, and rather than pass to a city player, he obviously uh, got his uh, shades of blue wrong and he passed to an Everton player. Um, 
And they've then followed city, a couple of city defenders diving in, trying to um, stop this weaving run. Um, and it ended, I think, with the Eric Garcia eventually getting uh, a tackle in and pushed the ball wide. It was crossed in that. And then I th- it, was it hit Mendy? It hit, deflected off Mendy and went across to the other side uh, of the goal. And Richarlison came, it's stolen, and uh, he tapped the ball home. And obviously, um, Bravo's been taking it in the neck um, ever since um, that happened. I mean, a lot of fans uh, don't appreciate him. I think that's the kindest thing I can say. And some are, are quite, uh, sadly, quite abusive. Um, but it look, I, I look at it and say, yes, I was massively disappointed because uh, from then on in, Everton felt they could get something from the game. We we occasionally were a bit jittery. And from a, a game where we were comfortably winning 2-0 and should have gone on to win 3 or 4-0, um, you know, it was backs to wall stuff a bit uh, to hold on to our two-one um, lead. Um, he he did make a mistake. There's no question about that. And obviously, when you make a mistake as a goalkeeper, that leads to a goal. It looks doubly bad, or in his case, triply bad. But I also thought we had we should have had opportunities to 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 prevent that goal with our defence, and they didn't come to his rescue. Sadly, um, and I. I it's hard to defend him because it was just a glaring uh, error, but it happens, and he's not going to be—he's uh, not going to be cut any slack from far too many of the city faithful, which disappoints me. Yeah, we seem to have that section that go, you know, um, two feet in in our players when they make a mistake. It happened to Mendy. It's uh, happened to Bravo before. It happened here, of course. Um, Twitter lit up um, um, aggressively uh, on uh, Bravo for that one. It was so, as as Ray said, it was ju- it was so promising at first. It was a beautiful Cruyff turn, and then passing straight to the opposition. Boys, I'll ask you a question, boys. Did Twitter light up when we played Spurs away in the Champions League last season when Aguero fluffed his penalty? Did Twitter light up and have a go at him? I don't think that it lights up the same way when Aguero makes Certainly a mistake. Like and for me, and I've said it many times, that goes in, we win that tie because there's no way Spurs are coming back uh, from that. And the minimum we're going to have is an away goal. And the best Spurs will do is get a draw. I just did not see any way Spurs coming back in that tie if we got that goal. But Twitter didn't light up. There are people who are scapegoated, like Ilke Gundogan, like... Um, Otamendi, like uh, sometimes Gabby Jesus, like Claudio Bravo. And I think it's wrong. It's the way of the world, though. And we, there's, you know, obviously we can't get away from it. I, I actually st- started unfollowing a few blues in the last week or so for having a go at Otamendi, for having a go at Mendy, and for having a go at Bravo. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, listen, five minutes later, Colin. Colin, that's got to be a penalty. It's got to be a penalty. Foden threw, I think it was Sidibe, uh, uh, pulled yep. back his striking foot. You saw the, 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 the replay footage. How on earth was that not a penalty? I don't know. It's a simple answer. I mean, they didn't even stop to check, do a VAR check, did they? From what I could see. Yeah, well, what's going on there? Um, Ray, there's, there's no way that that's not a penalty. I mean, anyone that looks at that on a replay knows that that's a penalty. <laughs> um, well, at the ground, I was screaming for a penalty. I mean, actually, I was screaming for Foden to pass it to Gabby. I think it was Gabby Jesus up with him for a tapping. Uh, but Foden had slalomed his way through into the box. He deserved uh, to have the shot and, and to score a wonderful goal. 
and we'd, we would have gone really ballistic then. Uh, one of our own, uh, young Phil Foden's, the Stockport Iniesta scoring a goal and such a beautiful goal it would have been. So we were all up in arms shouting and screaming for a penalty. I've seen a picture and the video footage afterwards and people are, who they have an argument for this, they have an opinion that uh, the defender got his foot between Foden's foot and the ball and Foden kicked his foot. That's the argument to say that's why it wasn't a penalty. Um, but I want a penalty, guys. You know, they should have given us a penalty for that, in my opinion. Interesting and, and quite humorous moment, Colin, on the 83rd minute because we got this substitution and Phil Foden came off and David Silva came on in, 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 a, in a reversal of what you feel would uh, normally happen. It would normally be the other way around. But yeah, this, the other way this, around, this, yeah. this is the future, but the, what, what, what amused a lot of um, viewers was uh, David Silva's hairstyle because um, it seems that he's now trying to uh, recreate. He, he always had this, this the floppy fringe, you see. And um, there were pictures up on Twitter of uh, David Silva's uh, his hair, and and the, the comments were nice curtains. It just it's it's quite funny. It's just it didn't quite kind of look uh, very natural. But I suppose that is what happens when you get a hair transplant. Something that you two guys um, are not ha- haven't 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 considered. I think it may it may be um, too um, too optimistic a, a job to go for. But that was very very funny. Um, but um, I think there was wasn't there another penalty incident with Dominic Calvert Lewin um, that um, I seem to remember. Am I right about that? Did he put another? He put a scything tackle in on who was it? Uh, Fernandinho. It wasn't a penalty incident. It was down. Yeah, near, yeah, yeah. It was a red, a red, well, a red off. card incident. I think I should have said. Yeah, uh, and it, and again, um, he was off the ground. I mean, you know, there's no criteria that says. Uh, he has to have a red card if he's out of control. The criteria for a red card is um, blah, 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 blah. Is it dangerous or reckless? Excessive force. When a player exudes the necessary use of force and endangers the safety of an opponent and must be sent off. Uh, reckless, which is a yellow card, is when a player acts with disregard to the danger to or consequences for an appointment of an opponent and must be cautioned. Now, to me, that was a red card tackle every day of the week. And he was very, very lucky to stay on the pitch. And it was interesting that um kind of covers two themes, which I was going to talk about earlier. In the in the Watford Wolves game, um, the, the Watford defender, Casa Bailey, was sent off. Uh, and he was sent off for denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity. And the um, VAR, rev- oh, he was given a yellow card initially. And VAR reviewed it and changed it to a red. Now, it wasn't for the severity of the foul. He, he pulled back, I can't remember who the um, Wolves player was, but he pulled back, I think it might have been Diego Jota. He pulled him back, but but very slightly. And it was very similar to the Mares foul that was went through all sorts of permutations of, you know, can, can we look at this via VAR? Again, it was a very slight pull. The player, the Wolves player fell over uh, and the it was deemed a foul and he got a yellow card initially. And then VAR decided it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity and it, it was um, upgraded to a red card. So there are kind of two themes there. One is it was very similar to the Fernand, uh, to the um, uh, Mara's offence. So if that was a foul, then so was Mara's. Also, um, it should have, well, if it was checked v- uh, from VAR, then we didn't know anything about it. But, you know, to me, that was a red card offence. He'd gone in. 
completely without regard to the um, safety of his opponent. Uh, and, and it's a minimum yellow, but it was such force that I think it should have been upgraded to a red. But VAR didn't seem to look at it. And um, I can't remember who it was. He had a, a red card downgraded to a yellow one. Was it one of the Spurs players? I can't remember. So so VAR was looking at these, but it didn't seem to look at that one, where you know there was every justification, I think, for issuing a red card. Sorry, can I just say one other thing? Uh-huh. From about 70 minutes, I mean, I say we went two up within 60 minutes. From about Everton were very organised, but not very, I would say, not very effective, I was saying to Ray before we went on air. And they hadn't been offering, they hadn't been uh, offering much of a threat. But we seem to take our foot off the gas completely after about 70 minutes. And, and there's a couple of occasions where we're all, almost showboating a bit. Uh, and there was a, Rodri had done something just before the Bravo incident, which led to um, Everton's goal. Rodri had kind of mistimed um, an interception and then performed this very clever flick to, to get the ball back. Uh, and the, um, But everything suggested we we kind of got a bit complacent, a bit blasé. We felt the game was won. And and of course, what you know, what we should have known after our experience at Wolves is the game is never won until the whistle blows, and you, you've got scored more goals than the opposition. So I, I felt um, obviously I think there was a lot of tiredness involved, and you could see players perhaps uh, relaxing a little bit. But I think you know, Everton then, you know, we then had the incident with with Bravo, and as Ray said, we could have cleared it. We had two or three chances to clear that ball, so I'm not going to put all the blame on Bravo for that. But all of a sudden, from being 2-0 two, two up, very comfortable, and Gabby Jesus is missing chances. You know, he's hitting the post and, and Pickford's making saves. All of a sudden, we're 2-1 down, and Everton gained fresh heart from that. And, um, you know, we could very easily have found ourselves dropping a point. Absolutely. Someone who did uh, drop points were, were were Chelsea, of course. Now we're um, eight points ahead of them. But uh, rather depressingly, guys, as you'll have uh, You'll have recently seen Liverpool beat uh, Sheffield United uh, 2-0. They've uh, finished the uh, the calendar year unbeaten, which, of course... Sorry, I'll, I'm, I'm, I will have... Well, Liverpool, well, Liverpool win to go year unbeaten in the league, it says. What's the um, date today? Well, they, they, they talked about calendar years. Was well, so it January the 4th we beat them? Yeah. Ah, yes, of course. They're being a little bit um, fast and loose with the dates, then, you're saying? Well, since... The th- well... It's not a calendar year. Calendar year will start on the 1st of January. So last, in 2019, they didn't go through the calendar year unbeaten. I, I'm taking the calendar year to be the 1st of January to the 1st of December. So they didn't go through the calendar. I mean, I'm being pedantic here because, you know, those beggars are, are, are going to walk the league. But they, it's not a calendar year. And since when has a calendar year started on the 4th of January? We beat them on the 3rd of January. So they, uh, you know, it's a load of rubbish. I mean, I, yeah. I accept. No, I accept. Liverpool won't play another league game for uh, ten days or so, and that will give them their three hundred and seventy days or something. So it's going to happen that they've gone through over one year without losing. But let's, you know, how people are clutching at straws, and it is quite ridiculous. It's like. There was a one of the commentators. Obviously, I didn't. Uh, I was at, at the game and uh, I wasn't listening on TV. I don't know which station it was, 
but someone said it would have been a, a, an English ex Premier League player after about eighty odd minutes said, "Oh, looks like Rodri's gone into uh, into the back, uh, into the uh, defensive line to shore up the defence." Rodri started the blinking game <laughs> in defence, and this is what you put your your ex pro pundit. I mean, I've got no idea who it was. It could easily been an idiot like Jim Beglin or Stephen Warnock. Um, making these comments, and uh, it would be very bef- uh, befitting for these buffoons. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's a very well done, Ray, for for calling that out. It's uh, the the media agenda rolls on for um, the the champions elect. I think that uh, that's a phrase I haven't seen yet, but I'm sure that in the next uh, few days you'll start seeing it uh, uh, coming up. But uh, I suppose um, the one silver lining, Colin, was um, we were singing the blues again, weren't we? <laughs> oh yes, yes. Well, United, um, of course, having turned the corner, they uh, having turned you know, the corner again. They they turned the corner again, and um, someone did a. Um, I saw something. I think it was on Twitter about you know how many corners are they going to turn, and someone put up a maze, uh, you know, a picture <laughs> of a maze. And, oh uh, my gosh! The, and, and, and it's quite funny. I was just reading about this, and um, Jonathan Wilson in the Guardian, who sometimes gets a bit carried away, but I think he got this one spot on. Uh, and says something like, uh, for eight minutes, Manchester United did quite well. And then for the other um, 82 minutes, Arsenal were all over them. But he said, Ole, so- Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has to be judged on those eight minutes rather than the other 82. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, all, that's all that can be done. They're absolutely a comedy club at the moment. Well, with Paul Pogbo, it's very, very funny, guys. So you've got um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being asked about what's happening with Pogba. And he, he comes out and says... Well, his people have told me, and, I, and this is ridiculous. His people have told me about his that he needs to have an operation on, on his ankle, and it's like the club don't know. They're 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 basically taking their cue from what Mino Raiola is telling them about the state of Pogba's uh, fitness, and and he's their player. But that shows you um, who's in control there at Manchester United. Well, having United. said that, Mike, having said that, it's the player's body. It's up to him. He can go against what the club uh, choose. And he can um, um, go to his own specialist of his choosing. It's Absolutely, his body. Ray. But and, least, there should be some communication so that the club okay, can uh, actually announce it, rather than the manager deferring well, that to I'm, the agent. I'm not. I'm not here defending uh, Man United, uh, but I will just mention Leroy Sane. Uh, we we get as fans we get injury updates from Bayern Munich and Bild. He went to uh, the German national team doctor for his operation in Innsbruck. Um, rather than uh, Mr. Kugat, uh, Dr. Kugat in Barcelona. So, you know, although I, I do like making fun of Man United and, and, and taking the pith whenever we can. Yeah, don't uh, rain in our parade, oh, Ray. <laughs> well, well, we don't know. We don't. To be fair, we don't know what communication Leroy had with the club. Yeah, true. As you said, he doesn't have to use uh, Dr. Kugat. If he's happy with the German team doctor, then... That's fine, I guess. Uh, but if he's, you know, if he's keeping in contact with the club, and he seems to be, then um, the, you know, that's fine. But uh, as Mike said, the um, the thing with with Pogba was um, the clubs seem to be furthest from his mind at the moment. Which yeah, he's, um, he's and out. I think his, his operation is to remove his uh, remove himself from the club. I suspect. Yes, Absolutely. yes, we'll have to have I mean, a quiet, uh, quiet word with uh, Ray after this podcast, just to <laughs> well, let, no, no. just to I, just to I, let I, him know what what the procedure is at the end of our pods. So we make fun of them. But I did see Leroy last week uh, walking out of the uh, Etihad, 
um, as uh, I normally wait after the games, doing a few interviews, chat, chatting to uh, some regulars. And I'm sure it was Leroy. He had his uh, hood up, uh, but he was uh, head down and he was not stopping for anybody. I think that uh, that that speaks quite a lot, actually. I don't think uh, too many City fans hold out too much hope for uh, Leroy continuing was, with us was, after the end I of the season. Tempted. I was If I'd known it was him straight away, I'd have been tempted to try my, uh, my German on him um, and to see if that if that works out, worked any wonders. But sadly, my German is limited to talking about uh, science and bubbles. And uh, I think he'd have thought, <laughs> thought of me as a crackpot if I start telling him in German that uh, bubbles are normally round, uh, but we'll make a, square, uh, a different shape for you, Leroy. I think he'd have probably clocked me one um, and ran off. Well, listen, guys, sadly, sadly, I'm afraid I'm going to have to um, say what I uh, I did at the end of the last pod. I have to go. Um, a taxi awaits to take me um, up to this um, this winter vacation course that I'm I'm teaching. So we'll have to leave it here. We will be back with you after the next game. But uh, we're going to just uh, danke, danke, danke sehr. I do know a little bit of German. Uh, to uh, to Ray and Colin for their participation. Thank you so much, uh, Ray, for coming on. Feeling dank, Mike. Feeling ah, dank. Good, good. And also, we're going to thank uh, our City Matters Committee member and resident King of the Kipax writer, Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure, and I'll speak to you soon. Absolutely. Guys, well, listen, we did our you, best just to, yeah. to, 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 just to mention the um, various uh, incidents and accidents that went on in that, in that game. Uh, Colin, you were, you were just about to say something as I interrupted you? No, no, so you go and educate the youth of... Um, Korea. South Korea. Yes, I, I do. I do I educate them all the time on the uh, on the um, the life and times of Manchester City. Uh, I think I've converted a few. Actually, there were a few uh, over here in Korea. It's basically simple. Whichever team has a Korean playing in it, that's the team they support. So it's quite funny in my class. There's different generations. So you've got Spurs fans, uh, you've got United fans from um, the previous uh, Korean star who was a Manchester uh-huh. United player. And uh, Park Park Ji Sung, and then you've got you've got fans of um, you know small German teams that have um, Koreans playing in them. They should they should all be Man City fans because we've got um, uh, Lee Guim Min, Man City women's team. Yeah, uh, they they don't really know her too well. Well, spread the news, spread the news, Mike. That's what that's what I that's what I am doing. In fact, I'm in the process of preparing an interview. Um, on the Manchester City women um, author, Dr. Gary James. We've been on with uh, Dr. James before and, um, and uh, we'll, we'll be uh, planning a pod just to interview Gary on that book and give some fresh impetus to the, the sales of that book um, pretty soon. There's a little piece, piece of news, guys, for you uh, BFTB listeners, but we'll have to, we'll have to leave it there and uh, just say to you guys, expect us again after the, after the next game. So we've got the cup games coming up. We've got uh, Port Vale, um, and we also have um, uh, some mid-table team from just outside Manchester uh, in the game after that. But we'll you can be sure the three of us will be with you for the reviews of those games. But until then, we say, as always, have one on us and up those blues. Manchester United have done all they can. Now we're in a goal, enough for the three points. The city is still alive.